Welcome back to the Almost Shameless podcast with Tanya Ray Fox. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox, and we are back. And this is my first mailbag that I've ever done on any podcast that I've ever hosted. I've never done a mailbag because for a long time, I just didn't have enough like listeners and followers to do it, to be quite honest. It was like, who are we going to get to ask these questions? But uh, over the last um, six or seven months and now being with CLNS and having a little bit of a broader audience, um, I'm able to do this. So this is really exciting. Finally becoming a real podcast, guys, it's happening. This mailbag is an AMA and ask me anything. So I told everyone you could uh, pop in a question about sports, international sports, soccer, my personal life, uh, pop culture, movies, TV, whatever. It's an ask me anything. So that's the, those are the types of questions you submitted. And, and we got a pretty well-rounded crop of questions. So I'm excited to get into it. This is actually the perfect, I planned this one specifically because I am flying home uh, this week. I'll be home in Massachusetts for two weeks. Well, just under two weeks, uh, actually have some time off from work for the first time in 2021. So that's exciting. So this is the perfect sort of evergreen episode to do. So I don't lose touch with you guys and also can actually take some time and be with family. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to be home for my mom and my little sister's birthdays because they're both in July. So that's super cool. Um, I'm never home for any of these things. Like even when I go home for Christmas, I go home the week, like two or two weeks before Christmas, because my husband has a super hard time getting time off from work, like during actual Christmas week. And the flights are always so expensive and it's like, honestly not worth it. So we just do Christmas at home and then like fly back home and do our own Christmas here at our house. It works out really well, but I'm, the point is I'm never home for holidays. And this year, because I flew home to do the radio in April, I was home for Easter, um, which I like, I don't know, you know, we don't do anything huge, but it was cool to be home for a holiday and now I'll be home for birthdays. So that's awesome. Um, so that's what we're planning on doing this week. So I'm hoping for good weather. I know everybody said the weather has sucked there all summer, but I really need like pool weather. Um, I just found out that I don't know what the deal is, but our local pond, which is like more, it's a, it's called a pond, but it's a lake, the lake down the street from our house. There's a ton of lakes in Plymouth and there's some sort of like poisonous algae that has infested the lake. And we won't be able to go out on the boat, which was one thing I was like super looking forward to. I haven't been on a boat all summer. I obviously wasn't on a boat last summer. So I was looking forward to doing a boat day out on the lake. Nope. Because this like algae for the second time in the last two years is infecting the lake and it's not good and you can't like swim in it it's like toxic in some capacity and apparently that's like happening in all these different lakes so i need a pool day i need outdoor coast summer i i, I actually enjoy the humidity and the craziness while i'm home because the weather is more consistent here in la and i don't get that super fun like feeling of actually uh being in season, like having it be like, oh, it's summer weather now. Although lately it's, it has actually been kind of crappy in Los Angeles in the winter time. So anyway, diversion, not the point of this thing. I will be home and trying to enjoy New England summertime stuff. So let's, let's do this. Let's get into some questions. Mailbag time. Hot stuff coming up. Okay. So I'm going to start with the Patriots questions, because I got a couple good ones. 
And I think that they're a nice little piggyback from the conversation that I had last week with Mike debate. Uh, so let's just continue on into our Patriots theme we've had going and start with Ron T. He asked, how long will the Patriots keep four quarterbacks? So they'll go into training camp with four guys on the roster. Usually they only carry three quarterbacks. So it's, you know, likely that one of those guys is going to go. And uh, I think based on just where they're at uh, and where Brian Hoyer is at in his career, I would assume that Brian Hoyer is probably there just as a camp guy to help bring Mac along, to help Cam continue to adjust to, you know, if there is anything to be found in the Jarrett Stidham tank, uh, Brian Hoyer is notably one of the best uh, sort of veteran backup guys in the league. He's really respected. He has been credited with a lot of success that the team has had in postseasons, mimicking uh, the opposing team's quarterbacks in practices ahead of playoff games and things like that. So he's a really big asset and someone I think that the Patriots probably see down the road, maybe becoming a part of their coaching staff. And this might be part of that transition. So I would assume that Brian Hoyer is going to be a training camp guy, someone who's kind of sticks around, like he may end up on um, a depth chart somewhere else across the course of the season. But I think his focus is on eventually coming back and being uh, a part of the Patriots staff. So, uh, you know, he goes through training camp and then once they have to start cutting the roster down and really focusing on their final, you know, once they get their final roster set for the regular season, I don't anticipate Brian Hoyer would be on there. Um, I think they'll go into the season with uh, Cam Newton and Mac Jones as the one and two, uh, probably that order as we've talked about, but regardless, Cam Newton and Mac Jones at one and two, flip-flop them if you want, and then Jarrett Siddham as the um, as the third string. So we love Brian Hoyer in New England. There's, you know, it, it, you want to see him succeed and thrive, and hopefully he does have a chance to actually be on a roster somewhere this season. I just don't think it'll be in New England. Um, but if it's not, I do think he has a place in the league once he decides to retire. Okay. And another semi Patriots related question, Tom Brady, Tom Brady's always going to be a Patriots related question in some way, shape or form. I will refuse. My brain can't comprehend that he's not like Patriots adjacent at any point in a conversation. So, um, Tanya T O N Y A, not to be confused with my name. Um, she's great. We interact on Twitter all the time. She asked, when is Tom Brady retiring? And this is actually a good question because I think I have a hot take. I don't know. I don't know if this is a hot take. I guess you guys can tell me. I think Tom Brady's done after this year. I, the news about him playing on a torn MCL last season, knowing that he's played through these types of injuries before, um, seeing the tiny bit of regression that I have seen in 2019. He bounced back in 2020. Don't get me wrong. Obviously it's reigning Super Bowl champion. Um, but I do think that there's gonna, it's gonna start kind of wearing and grinding on his body. Um, I don't, it's not like I'm predicting an injury or anything like that, but I, I think this might be the end of the road for Tom. He seems to be really finally adapting to opportunities outside of football. He's more vocal. He's doing more, you know, advertisements and he's becoming a spokesperson for it. He's just more mainstream. He is doing the match. He's got all of these opportunities outside of football. 
And Giselle has wanted him to retire for like 10 years. It's just kind of a matter of time. And I do see Brady as somebody who's smart enough to call it before he kind of plays himself into oblivion. I have always, I've always been under the assumption that part of the move to Tampa Bay was to prove that he could win without Bill Belichick and with another team like Peyton Manning did. Um, That was like the one thing that Peyton had that he didn't. And he's done that. And the one thing he can also do to differentiate himself from Peyton Manning and Brett Favre and the other first ballot hall of famers, even Drew Brees, who've retired, you know, in his era is to not go out as a kind of shell of himself. He has done everything else right in his career and retiring before the age of 45. um, You know, I know he wanted to make it to 45. He's basically made it there. I mean, maybe he can be dogmatic about the number, but I think that's, I think it's reasonable to think that this could be his last year. And if it's not, um, I, you know, I have no reason to believe that the Bucks wouldn't be willing to bring him back. I think the Bucks would let him play until the wheels went square, but does he want to do that? Does he want to like play into obscurity with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I don't think so. Okay. Mike A sent me two questions, two quick Pop culture questions. These are both really good. Um, Clearly he knows me. He asked me, number one, first question, Stairway to Heaven or Freebird? Both all great legendary guitar playing, all of that. I have to admit, I'm a Leonard Skinner girl. Always have been, always will be. I respect Led Zeppelin, love a good rendition of Cashmere. Um, And I've actually seen Robert Plant play live um, he opened for the who like years and years ago, I saw them at great woods with my mom. I think it was in high school. I saw, I went and saw the who, uh, and Robert plant opened for them. And it was just weird. I didn't like it. It was just him by himself, but he wasn't with, um, he wasn't with Led Zeppelin, but it just like, it was bizarre. He, he's an amazing singer, but I just did. It wasn't my jive. I've just always been, I love Southern rock. Um, I love that I find myself more connecting more with Leonard Skinner music. And it's, I mean, Freebird is known as the all time encore song. It's literally what they yell in crowds, like pretty much anywhere when you want an encore. Like if you are trying to insinuate that you want an encore for something and you yell Freebird, everybody knows what you're talking about. I guess you could yell stairway. And it would still, you know, get the job done. But Freebird is the ultimate encore performance. And I'm like, just, that's just my vibe. So no hate, but I'm always going to go Freebird. That guitar solo in the middle of Freebird is insane. Can't go wrong. Plus, I really liked playing Freebird on Guitar Hero back in the day. I'm almost, I'm 99.9% positive it was on Guitar Hero 2. And I was obsessed with Guitar Hero and I would play Freebird. And on thing on the original Guitar Hero, it was like, it was Almond Brothers Jessica that I would play a lot. Like, I just loved those like long jamming songs. Sorry, Led Zeppelin, you lose this time. I'm sure you're devastated. Uh, Mike A, his second question was uh, The Office or New Girl? Both shows that have become epic um, through over the last couple of years through run on Netflix, like The Office was a much bigger hit while it was on air than, than New Girl was, although New Girl was quite popular. 
a phenomenon, a lot like Shit's Creek, like a couple of shows that were available on Netflix that people were able to binge light, fun comedy series. And I watched New Girl when it was on. Like I was a fan when it was happening. The Office, I didn't watch until after. Like I didn't watch it until I binged it on Netflix. I have different relationships with each show, but here's the thing. I enjoy episodes of New Girl more as like, just put it on and relax. The Office is more of a like, a bit of a commitment, even though they're, they're so funny. Like some episodes can be kind of like, whoa, especially in the first season. However, as a, as a person on the internet and a person who does a lot of their work on Twitter, I cannot deny the importance of office gifts and memes to like communicating online. There is so much, because it's so universally liked and watched because so many people have watched it, at least have watched some episodes, know the characters, know, you know, Michael Scott and all of the characters, even if they weren't super invested in the show, you can use it as a form of communication in a way that you can't really use any other sitcom. It used to be like, it's kind of like the new Seinfeld. You know, obviously there's like a bunch of people now who've never watched Seinfeld. I never watched Seinfeld. I know the characters. I know certain plot lines because it's in the ether. And that was like before social media, but I feel like that's the office for us, for millennials. And you can't communicate without office gifts and memes. Everybody gets it. Like, you know, there's more people who get the new girl stuff now, but it's just not as all encompassing. So I, I have to go with the office. Okay. Next Ben asks, who is your favorite wrestler and why is it edge? Um, yeah. Anyone who follows me on social media knows I, uh, I'm really into WWE these days. And I love Edge. Um, I actually started getting into Edge before he met, made his return recently because there was documentaries and stuff about him that I watched and I watched old clips, whatever. But he is definitely my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, I think there, like, he's not objectively the best, but I just connect with him for some reason. He's very sincere off. Like, you know, he's got a social media presence. It's very genuine, very sincere. He's very... Um, open with his feelings and emotions. I like that. Um, he's very, he's been an actor. He's done different stuff. So he's like out there in the world, has a great comeback story, was a legend before he retired, forced to retire due to some crazy neck injury. And then he was never supposed to be able to come back from a wrestle from, and like just had this miracle surgery that helps. And now he's able to come back. He's in his late forties. It's a great story. And he's giving, uh, Roman Reigns, who's the biggest star in wrestling of maybe the last 10 years, uh, one of his best storylines that he's been able to work with as a heel. So where, you know, where is there to complain? However, I do have a few other guys who are wrestling right now who come sneaking right underneath. Uh, I will watch anything Kofi Kingston does basically the new day in general. I'll watch anything that they do. Um, and, and if I had to pick my all time favorite legend in terms of like impact and what they were able to do through their whole career, it's undertaker. It's undertaker. Undertaker is the greatest wrestler I ever like in terms of like top to bottom career, you know, maybe his highs weren't as high as stone cold and the rock and some of the, and you know, Hulk back in the day or whatever, but just like enduring legacy, the ability to have a character that lasts for that long 
Undertaker's the best. And you guys already know, if you listened to uh, my appearance on the radio in Boston, I picked Stone Cold Steve Austin as the guy to party with. So I'm, you know, I have a universal appreciation for different wrestlers and what they bring to the table. So uh, Edge probably wouldn't party with. Stone Cold, 100%. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's Edge. Almost Shameless with Tiny Ray Fox is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The NBA Finals are here, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And following up on that, Kenny R., who is a friend of Chris and I's, said, what will it take to get you and Chris to watch AEW on Wednesday nights? And um, as people who try to stay up on WWE, it's really difficult because you have to watch Raw and SmackDown. So it's, you know, Raw on Monday nights, SmackDown on Friday nights. And then if there's pay-per-view, there's usually a pay-per-view once a month. That's on a Sunday. So it can take up a lot of time. Um, I'm loyal to my brand, Fox Sports. We have SmackDown, best wrestling out there as far as I'm concerned. Love SmackDown. Um, but like, I'm not, I'm not an anti. I like to pay attention. I pay attention to the storylines. I listen to podcasts. They talk about some of the wrestlers on AEW. I know they have amazing stuff going on. So hopefully I can tune in occasionally, but I can't commit three nights of my week to paying attention to wrestling or three days the next day or whatever. And, you know, uh, that's kind of just where we're at at this point. Okay, next. Um, this question actually had me thinking. I had to really consider this. And Andrew F. asks, who is your biggest sports influence? And I think I have a two-pronged answer, like most of these. Growing up, uh, my biggest sports influences were Jackie McMullen, 100%. Like, I wanted to be a sports writer. I was amazing. And she's really important to women sports writers and women in, in sports media in general. Um, I just idolized her. And uh, the other two people that I always sort of just always gravitated towards were Hannah Storm on ESPN. Um, I just like, she, again, she was this like major female personality. And I really looked up to her as well. I was post like, I don't remember Robin Roberts really on ESPN. Um, but like, I remember Hannah storm and she was a big deal. Um, so I loved her and, uh, Erin Andrews. <laughs> I mean, a blonde woman wanting to go into sports media and be famous or whatever. Like you want Erin Andrews and she's amazing. She's so nice. She has an amazing reputation in the industry. And now that like I'm in the industry and, have gotten to know more about these people. Like she's great. So those three were really important to me, um, growing up. And now, you know, it's obviously like people who I've maybe worked with or been able to work alongside in some capacity. 
And I did get to work with Jackie McMullen for years in Boston. And she wrote me a goodbye note when I moved that I saved and took a picture of and will never forget. It was one of the coolest moments of my life to like, but right before I left for California, she wrote me a note saying good luck and that they would miss me in Boston. And it like, it was just, I don't know, man, you guys get it. Like there's some people who live up to the expectation. Like they say, don't meet your heroes. She defies, she defied that. She was everything I could have hoped that she would be. Um, so she kind of remains that number one. And I also really admire what Maria Taylor is doing right now. She's about my age. And I, a lot of times in this industry, I look to what other people my age are doing and the things that are working and the opportunities that they're getting and, um, and what I can take away from what they're doing right. And I find that inspiring. I think it's easy to look at people older than you and aspire to have what they have. But for me, I like looking around and seeing what other people my age are doing and learning from them and taking cues and taking notes and being able to adapt myself to what's succeeding and what's not. And the only way to do that is to look around and see how other people are doing it. So Joy Taylor is another one who I do work with and the way that she treats people in the building, her work ethic, um, where she started to where she's at now, whatever she's continuing to work on, she's always really thoughtful and generous to the people around her. And most importantly, I really admire and have taken cues from the way she operates on social media and how she connects to people and how she reacts to people, how she handles trolls, how she embraces her own um, image and her own identity on social media has been a huge effect on me. And so she's another uh, colleague or peer that I really look to as inspiration and as a role model. And we're, you know, basically the same age, but I see her as a role model. And um, I think that she's somebody that is probably the easy, one of the easiest people in this industry I've ever met to root for. Okay. And next Bobby L as a member of the press, if you could go to either one of these as a member of the press, would you prefer the world's cup final or a super bowl without the Patriots? So obviously they know if the Patriots were in the super bowl, I'm always going to pick that. Um, so I think for this one to go to the super bowl this year, because it's in Los Angeles and, um, whether it's with Fox sports or CLNS or whatever, I assume, uh, in some capacity I'll be covering or get the opportunity to, to be a member of the press there. So, uh, not as exciting as traveling to another city in my opinion, but it would be really cool. And I'm excited to do that. And I think like the energy of that would be really awesome, but also Super Bowl press can be a kind of weird media. It ends up being like, um, I don't know how to put this all the media from all over the country go and it gets very clicky and people who already know each other are, you know, they're doing their own thing and it's, it can be kind of hard to ingratiate yourself into those groups. And after a year and a half of being working from home and everything else, like I do feel kind of isolated and weird. Um, I haven't been out and about, I haven't been with colleagues and whatever else. And like the idea of seeing everybody all at once at the Super Bowl is like kind of crazy. Uh, but the world cup is something that like, I'll probably never get to do. Um, it's a different experience in terms of like, you know, how the athletes interact with people. You have a lot more international media. It's all international media. You have, uh, athletes who speak all kinds, all different languages. It's just a, di a completely different experience. And 
that's something where I feel like I would learn so much about how other journalists in other countries handle themselves. And like, it just would be a much, it would be a huge learning experience for me. Whereas covering the Super Bowl would be much more familiar and kind of like right in the, in my wheelhouse. So it would be maybe more comfortable, but maybe not the same sort of life-changing uh, career opportunity or like career experience. So I'd have to say World's Cup. Okay. And Rose F. Okay. Rose also asked two questions. Um, so the first one is East Coast or West Coast? Come on, making me choose. That's so cruel. Uh, listen, I live on the West Coast. Uh, I enjoy living on the West Coast. I really like Los Angeles. I will say, however, I don't, I have experienced very little of the West Coast in comparison to the East Coast because I grew up on the East Coast, spent nearly 27 years of my life on the East Coast. So like I've experienced all up and down the Eastern seaboard and all of New England and New York and Virginia and Florida and all of the like, you know, New Jersey, all of the culture of the East Coast I'm much more familiar with. Whereas out here in Los Angeles, I've spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, done San Diego, um, I've been to San Francisco, uh, for a weekend I've done, um, weekend in Seattle, but I haven't, I don't feel as connected to the full, like West coast experience. And I feel like just grouping LA into West coast is a little disingenuous. So, and, and I'm still very East coast in my, like, uh, the way I speak and in my temperament, um, in the way I handle myself just in the world, I guess. Uh, and I also still cover so much East coast sports. We talk about Boston sports on here so much more than we talk about Los Angeles sports, just because of the way sports fans are, um, sports fans on the East coast, especially in the Northeast are much more intense, much more dogmatic. They are ride or die in a totally different way than a lot of the sports fans out here. The culture of sports media in general is just different. So I have to say, if I had to choose it's East coast. I guess my roots are always going to win out in the end. Her second question is Jacob or Edward. And you either understand that question or you don't, I'm not going to explain it to you. If you don't, I will, it won't, don't worry. I'll make it quick. It's Edward. It's not even a question. Jacob uh, was annoying from the start to the finish of those books. He had no idea what was going on. By the end of it, he had imprinted on her kid, which means all the crap we'd had to listen to him talk to, all his weird obsession with Bella, never even had anything to do with Bella. And so like, I just, nah, I'm good. Whiny werewolf boy, no thank you. I will take the grown adult 100 and something year old man. Okay, wow, we are already on my final question. And my final question is, least favorite NFL fans, AKA the worst NFL fan base. Uh, so I have a couple of rules about the worst NFL fan base. Uh, they have to have anytime I'm looking at like the, the fan bases I find to be, to be the most obnoxious, they have to be act like they win more than they do or not have won in a long time. And they have to be from a place where their team is genuinely like one of the most important teams in the area. So like it can't be a team like fans from any of the places where college football is a bigger deal than pro football, because the pro, the pro football fans are just nothing compared to the college fans in some of the areas of the country. Like in Texas, 
where even high school football is such a big deal. I don't know. I just don't take Texas football, like pro football fans that seriously. Most of the cowboy fan base doesn't live in Texas. No one cares about Houston. So, you know, they're out and teams in Florida, they don't matter again. Like no one cares. It has to be a place where it really matters. Now I used to absolutely hate Buffalo bills fans, but they've won me over since they've gotten good, which is weird. I don't know how that's happened. Maybe there's this like grudging respect or something, but like, I think that their love for the team is really genuine. They haven't had a ton of success, but they've always been really loyal. They're hilariously ridiculous. Um, definitely wouldn't want to tailgate with them. Definitely wouldn't want to go to a game with them, but like there's a little grudging respect. So here's the thing. Uh, the fans that annoy me the most, I would say it's a tie between Seahawks fans and Colts fans. Here's why. Both of them only have one title in recent memory. Uh, the Seahawks only have one title ever. And yet the fans seem to be extremely vocal and critical of people who criticize their team in a way I legit don't understand. Seahawks fans came out of nowhere when Russell Wilson came to town and they actually got good in the Legion of Boom. And I, I mean, I have a person in my life who's a diehard Seahawks fan who like, I really like, but there's just like this air of, uh, of superiority for Seahawks fans when they're in a division where there's been so much more success than them in their own division recently. The Rams have been to a Super Bowl since they've been to one. The 49ers have been to a Super Bowl since they've been to one. The Arizona Cardinals are on the come up right now. Like the Seahawks are honestly probably the third most interesting team in that division for most people. The fourth for me, to be quite honest, because I find the Cardinals fascinating, especially this year. I don't care about the Seahawks. I think they're kind of irrelevant. I really wish Russell Wilson would just leave. I think their fans are weird. I don't like the 12th man thing. I think it's incredibly stupid. Every single NFL team has like a diehard fan base that they could call the 12th man. The Kansas City Chiefs do the same thing where it's like, we sell out our stadium. It's always so loud. But like, at least the Kansas City Chiefs have like a real history of diehard fans all the time. I just, I don't buy the Seahawks. They annoy me. And I risk, I truly wish Russell Wilson would leave. So we didn't have to talk about them ever again. Like no one cares about the Pacific Northwest. I'm good. And as far as Colts fans go, I've never seen a group of fans who are so, there is no Colts fan that exists that's willing to criticize their team in any way. Everything they do, especially on the internet, is defending the stupid shit Colts fans. Like they still defend Flategate to Flategate. I, I had a, a, a person who follows me on Twitter who I interact with all the time, like this guy, but he is still on the Deflategate thing. He still actually thinks that happened, that it was a real thing, that Tom Brady cheated, which in 2021 to think that is just ooh, mind-blowing, chef's kiss level of ignorance. Uh, they do those stupid participation banners and get made fun of every year as they should. And they have no sense of humor about it. I just feel like Colts fans have no sense of humor about themselves. Like they don't, I don't know if it's because it's probably because Peyton Manning left and then went and won with Denver, but like, I guess Patriots fans can relate to that now. Um, at least Patriots fans got six rings before <laughs> Tom Brady decided to peace out and win somewhere else. Peyton Manning only won them one. So maybe that's why they're so salty, but there's just no, there's no joy. I, I, I don't feel any joy coming from Colts fans. 
even when like Browns fans, like when the Browns are really bad and they've been bad forever, I like Browns fans. Like they just seem to find joy even in sucking. And the Colts don't seem to understand that they've sucked for so long now. And even when they had chances to be good, it was so short-lived that like no one takes them seriously. They have to act like they're kind of irrelevant until they work their way back up again. And again, you're in another division. The Jaguars have been to an AFC championship game more recently than you have. The Titans have been better than you for the last few years. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just get like have a sense of like humility and humor and, and be able to enjoy interacting about your team that doesn't include the flake gate, because that's like, like, you should be embarrassed as a Colts fan about the flake gate. You shouldn't be still defending it. You should be acting like it didn't happen. You should hope it never comes up again. Like you guys are relentless. I thought the Midwest was supposed to be like, like a place where everyone was nice, but I think it's really technically just a place where everybody needs desperately needs to smell ocean air or something like i i think they've been landlocked for too long okay that's it those are all the questions that were submitted for the mailbag this week or all the questions i could read on a podcast and put out into the ether uh thank you for coming and listening hopefully you learned a little bit more about me feel like you got educated a little bit on the state of the patriots and sports in general um that was really fun Next time you hear me, I'll be recording from like my mom's den in Plymouth. So fingers crossed some big local news happens while I'm home and I can start a beef or go on one of my rants about uh, the local radio broadcast reaction to major news there. Oh, wait, good to be fed some content. Home. Uh, so, you know, fingers crossed we get something big happening while I'm home and I will talk to you soon. Bye.